Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them the tools to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. We're really going to have a great time today on the program. It's going to be maybe a little bit different than what we normally talk about, but it is truly about building your network, whether it's professional, whether it's business. And it's funny, I was suggested that I contact this author by one of my networking folks. So you never know where all these great connections will come in. So please join me in welcoming Megan Gebhardt to our program this morning. Hello, good morning. Good morning, good morning. So Megan is all the way out in California. I'm all the way over here in Atlanta. And then, of course, the the station is Mile High Radio, so we're covering virtually every time zone today. (laughs) Yes. Great, great. Well, let me tell folks just a little bit about you. So Megan Gebhardt is a storyteller, speaker, and writer. Originally from Wyoming, Megan left home to attend Michigan State University, where she immersed herself in a community of daring entrepreneurs and began entrepreneurial ventures of her own, finding a love of writing in the process. In 2010, inspired by an unexpected and life-changing cup of coffee, Megan created 52 Cups of Coffee, a website dedicated to the power of connection. Her goal was to challenge herself to spend her senior year of college having coffee with a stranger every week for a year. What began as a small project soon grew into a year-long adventure filled with serendipity and stories that teach us that finding ourselves is a journey that can last a lifetime. Megan spoke to people from all swaths of life, including entrepreneurs, teachers, a dairy farmer, a second grader, a best-selling author, and even Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak. She chronicled her experience in her first book, 52 Cups of Coffee, inspiring and insightful stories for navigating life's uncertainties. After completing her goal, Megan continued to travel, ultimately visiting all seven continents before settling down in San Francisco, where she now works at Airbnb, a technology company that encourages travelers to meet strangers around the world by staying in local homes rather than hotels when traveling. Outside of work, Megan continues to meet inspiring people. She shares their stories and lessons at conferences and colleges throughout the United States to inspire others to reach out and connect with new people over coffee. So, Megan, this is so much fun. We are virtually having our chat over a cup of coffee. And and so this, this really is fascinating. So I'm really looking forward to speaking with you. Yes, I'm excited to speak with you. And since it's a little bit earlier here on the West Coast, I've got my coffee ready. So it's a true coffee chat from my side. Great. Well, we'll we'll clink our cups together and get started. (laughs) So, you know, really, you uh, what there's uh, where do I even start? Um, Because there clearly I've had my caffeine this morning. Um, You know, there are just so many things about your adventure that were so fascinating to me. The first was that you were a senior in college when you decided to take this on and you learned so much from it. You know, and and I think that's, you know, one of the things that that really was inspirational was that you were so young to do this because, you know, I'm a little older and, (laughs) you know, sometimes the the thought of doing this would just, you know, and, and I'm obviously not a shy person, but 
it really would be daunting and it really would have been there would have been no way that I could have undertaken this um, when I was your age so you know why let's start at the beginning you know you mentioned the fact that it was an unexpected and life-changing cup of coffee so tell us about that what got you started down this path so I was a uh, 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 you know, earlier, even before I hit that senior year of college, I was I was a student at Michigan State. I had left Wyoming and flown, you know, halfway across the U.S. to go to this new school. And mm-hmm. I was a marketing major, but kind of this black sheep at felt like in the business school. Like I was really interested in entrepreneurship and okay. social media and and things that were a little bit less traditional, or at the time felt less traditional. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't find that community. And so I had um, actually started a different website my junior year. Uh, Similar to you, I just love talking to people. I loved hearing stories. So I started this little website where I just talked to students and faculty and alumni of Michigan State to get to know them better. Mm -hmm. And it was through that project that I kind of found this um, unofficial advisor to the project who said, who's at the same time advising another student. And unbeknownst to me, he had told that student that you know, you two have a lot in common, you guys need to meet. And mm-hmm. so out of the blue, I get this email from uh, another student named Brett who said, hey, so-and-so gave me your name, do you want to get coffee? So we met at the Barnes & Noble on the corner right next to campus. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't think anything, I was like, yeah, we'll get coffee, I'll talk to this guy. Didn't expect a lot to come out of it. And it, it turns out that we sat down and we started talking. It was like one of those you just knew that that there was something really special right. about that cup of coffee. We just really, really connected. And that conversation was the start of kind of the next phase of my college experience, which was um, together, Brett and I would work together to create this kind of grassroots entrepreneurship club mm-hmm. in in East Lansing, Michigan. And over time, we had two dozen students that were interested in entrepreneurship getting together every Friday to just talk about their ideas, to get advice, just to connect with other people who didn't want to go the traditional route of Mm -hmm. get a job, work for a big company. And so here I was my senior year surrounded by these really inspiring go-getter entrepreneurial people who were all doing really great things. And and what I've learned is if you surround yourself with people doing really amazing things, you kind of start to feel this pressure around, you know, what am I doing? I should right. be doing something really neat as well. And so I had that feeling combined with this mounting anxiety of I'm about to graduate and I mm-hmm. don't know what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, prior to that being a little bit type A and wanting, you know, to just have my plan in place and make sure I had the perfect plan to go into college, to do everything right, to like launch my life off in the right way. Um, I just, I didn't know how to do that. And there were so many options that I think I, I had this almost crippling anxiety that I didn't realize until after the fact. So I, I loved hearing, I loved hearing people's stories. I loved kind of big projects. And just thinking about that cup of coffee that I had with Brett that just transformed, you know, just kind of opened a a door to a new community and a new world for me. I thought, if that one cup of coffee could have such an impact on my life, what would happen if I devoted an entire year to having coffee with strangers? So Mm -hmm. I kicked it off um, the summer before my senior year, and it kind of grew from there. Right. Now, did you do it every week consecutively or were there times where you kind of skipped some time and then jumped back into it there it, uh, uh you're asking you're asking me the question that no one ever asks me it <laughs> <laughs> well and i ask that because i mean it, it, i'm just curious 
because it is, you know, 52 cups. So you, you know, assume consecutive, but hello, you were a senior in college, <laughs> which is a very busy time. Um, and, you know, and, and, and you did this on multiple continents and, you know, obviously in, in multiple states. So, you know, I was just kind of curious is yeah. it, whether you were able to keep the schedule of every single week or did you have to take, you know, a, a couple of little breaks? Yeah. So it, it wasn't consecutive. The goal was consecutive and about halfway through, um, it was actually right around winter finals. finals. I was home for a break mm-hmm. and I was just like, wow, you know, I really, I really signed up for a lot here. And right. so I was... My my mentality was kind of like my project, my rules. It's right. it's okay right. if I don't stick directly to the the one week mm-hmm. schedule. So I ended up taking it took uh, just over a year, less than a year and a half, but okay. more than a year. Great. Well, and you mentioned you know that it's it's your rules, and so sometimes you didn't always have coffee. Sometimes you didn't always meet in a coffee place, um, you know, and and some things like that. And and that's what I love is that you were able to be flexible with it, but still meet the goals of talking with such very interesting people. Yeah. And I learned really, something I learned about myself in the process was this, this interesting mix of needing structure, but Mm -hmm. not wanting to feel confined. So the framework was great. I mean, the framework was basically 52 conversations, ideally Mm -hmm. over coffee, because it's such a good medium for getting to know people. But you know, if, if something changes or I have an opportunity to, have a, a more interesting experience than just coffee in a coffee shop. I, I didn't want to limit myself to mm-hmm. something because the rules of coffee were too strict. Right. You know, and, and I mean, that's just kind of a, a rule for all of us is that it's okay to be flexible, you know, and, <laughs> and, and that, you know, you learn so many things through the book. And so it's cool that that was one of the things that, that you really did embrace. Yeah. I'm, and a part of it was also, I mean, honestly, I, I'm not much of a planner. So mm-hmm. sometimes just uh, in the, you know, in a spon- if, if you're being spontaneous to get to coffee because you forgot to plan in advance, then that also leads to some you know, atypical coffees as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, some of them were kind of serendipity as to when you could schedule and, and you know, all of those various things, too. So that was, you know, that was really where it, it helped to be very flexible. Exactly. So, okay, so I'm going to ask probably some of the questions that you're used to getting. <laughs> and, you know, and I want to ask you things like, who is the worst? Because we don't really know that. They were all very special. Um, you know, you, I, okay, so I read the book almost. I didn't get, quite get through it. And so I'm looking forward to, to finishing it. Each interview you boil down to about three pages in the book, you know, somewhere around there. But you talk to some of these folks for hours. So, how was it that, I mean, this clearly shows that you are a very good writer in that you could condense what they told you, but how difficult was that? Because, you know, almost, almost all of these folks, no, almost, they all were very fascinating. How did you condense it into, you know, three pages or so? Practice and, and pain. Uh, it was, <laughs> it, I, it's really interesting because I, I wrote those, those stories about people I wrote in real time. So mm-hmm. it was, I was chronicling in real time. And then when I put the book together, it was just going back and, and polishing it up. Mm-hmm. But something that, that I think if you go through the book, not only do you see this change that I'm kind of experiencing through the project, but also I really think there's a change in the writing because early on, I really felt this pressure. You know, I would talk to someone for an hour and a half and they would tell me 
all of these really amazing things. And I felt mm-hmm. the the pressure to get all of the details in there and to make it consi- you know concise, but also have right. a point. It's you you can't fit it all in. And so I had a really great mentor and writing teacher at Michigan State who, over and over again, just kind of enforced that you have to not everything gets into the story and and leaving by leaving certain things out it enables you to focus on something you know specific and that makes your writing better but it really it 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 took a lot to leave things out but by the end of the story or by the end of the project i had just started to hone in on how to ask better questions and how mm-hmm. to have a more still a chat that wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't an interview but how to really lead the conversation to dive deeper so that when I went to sit down and write, there was a little bit more clarity and focus. And it wasn't talking about your childhood and this and that and other and then trying to fit, you know, 20, you know, different types types of things into one interview. So a lot of it was um, a mentor, you know, really forcing me to edit mm-hmm. things out that I didn't want to edit out, edit out, and then just getting better around knowing what, um, what, types of stories or what information really brought out the best Mm -hmm. in that person and made them shine and what things were just extra details that were more of a distraction. Right. Okay. So here's the, here's the one you always get. Who was your favorite interview? (laughs) (laughs) So it's so interesting because I mean, unsurprisingly, I, I like so many for so many different reasons, Mm -hmm. but I do think the one that best illustrates really the the spirit of the project and mm-hmm. the reason that I started it was I, I had this hypothesis, hypothesis that if I invited 52 new people into my life, it would inevitably change. And while mm-hmm. I didn't know how it would change, I knew that it would. And I was really excited to see to kind of just, you know, let, let that change happen and find out as I went along with the project. And so I was, um, cup 17 is, a a student named Peter who mm-hmm. was at the time a student at Michigan state. And we I had a, this one. Yeah, he's, he's phenomenal. So, um, I'm from Wyoming. Another student at Michigan state from Wyoming was like, I, I saw your project on Facebook. Uh, I have this friend. You have to talk to him. He's amazing. And so Mm -hmm. Peter is originally from Poland. He has cerebral palsy and he is an incredible human being. Mm -hmm. He is so positive and so interesting. And um, mobility is really challenged. He he can... um, most of the time he's in an electric wheelchair, but if he's not in the wheelchair, he's in a walker. Mm-hmm. And he actually is leading the charge at Michigan State for um, for basically different um, like students with physical disabilities right. to get involved in sports. Mm-hmm. He's phenomenal. We could talk Wait, about him for a long time. about him playing soccer? I mean, yeah. that's just amazing. He, I, I mean, just to give you a, a sense of you know, the type of person he is, this is, I mean, just last year, we're still in touch. He did a 5k and it took him hours. I mean, Mm -hmm. he imagine using a a walker to walk three miles, but he gets out there and he does it and he has Mm -hmm. goals of hitting like half marathon lengths. So this Mm -hmm. guy is so amazing. And it's actually, this story isn't even about him. Um, Mm -hmm. we, so we met, uh, we got coffee and then we continued, we would get together, you know, every couple of weeks to get a beer while we were at Michigan state. And then right after I graduated, a lot of people that I talked to 
their advice for me was to travel while you're young. I think more than half of the people I talked to told me to travel. So much to my dad's dismay, I was like, I saved up some money in college and I don't have a job lined up. So I think I'm just going to go to to Europe for a little bit, Mm -hmm. Um, which is not what you want to hear as parents that you're Daughter's not getting a job. (laughs) Exactly. But uh, I I took the trip and Mm -hmm. Peter found out and Peter was home in Poland visiting his grandma. Mm -hmm. He was like, oh my gosh, you have to come visit me. So I kind of rerouted my trip to go visit him. And he lives in this 2000 person town outside of Warsaw. Mm -hmm. And so I show up and his grandmother is this 86 year old woman, like not more than five feet tall, doesn't speak any English. And so you could tell that she just really wanted to communicate to me that she was excited I was there. So I Mm -hmm. got like really strong hugs and um, lots of food. It was like, I can't, I can't, we can't speak the same language, but I can feed her, you know, the language of delicious food. So Mm -hmm. Peter kind of told me her story about how when she was 18 in Poland the, and the war broke out and all of the men or most of the men went to war or ended up in prisoner of war camps. And she, with her dad, joined this underground resistance movement and risked her life for her country. Like, wow, phenomenal stories. And I thought, wow, like I need this is someone that I need to talk to for the project. Mm-hmm. So I asked Peter if he thought his grandma would be interested. She said yes. And so after dinner, we sit down and it, it felt like it was out of a movie. Like there was candlelit, you know, mm-hmm. table, kind of dark room. I would ask ask her, you know, ask Peter a question who would translate mm-hmm. into Polish. And then he would be listening to his grandma and start translating it back to English. And then she would think of something else. So mm-hmm. she'd start speaking Polish while he was oh, trying to translate it to English. And it was, it was really gr- great. But we were also talking about some pretty heavy stuff. Because of, you know, a lot of the adversity in her mm-hmm. early life. And I couldn't tell if she, I, I just, I couldn't tell if she liked it, if it was like too much. And then suddenly right. she just gets up and walks away. <gasps> He's like, oh my gosh, I've, I've said something wrong. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden she comes back with this huge stack of old black and white photos. And she's showing me photos of her when she's 12 and, and photos of her um, husband when he was in his military uniform and just like really excited oh to share mm-hmm. you know, her culture with me and her story, which, you know, her life experience is so wildly different than, you know, you know, my mm-hmm. life experience and just, you know, made me feel so grateful that I grew up in a, in a time that wasn't so, wasn't so chaotic as, you know, being involved in a big world war. So it was just this moment and it was like, wow, never in a million years when I sat down with Peter six months prior, did I think that I would end up in the middle of nowhere, Poland, having, having coffee with this, you know, 86 year old grandma talking about world war two. So it was just the, I think the story that best illustrates that you have, you never know where a new connection will lead you. And it can lead really amazing places. Right. Well, and what I love about the connections and, and all of these stories you tell is, it, yes, you were building your network, but it wasn't a, it's specifically a business network, which is what so many people that I'm used to dealing with are doing. You know, and, and it's funny, when I moved from Denver to uh, Atlanta, I used LinkedIn extensively to make connections in advance. The nice thing was I had like 18 months notice that we were going to be moving. And so, you know, I went into LinkedIn and I found people here and, you know, all that good story. And, and you know, initially I just said, you know, I'm, I'm going to be moving from Denver to Atlanta sometime in, in 2012 and I'm building my network. That was pretty much all I said. 
every single person accepted my LinkedIn request. And then when I got here, I went back through all of those and I said, hello, I'm now here. I would love to take you for coffee. It's funny, you know, isn't that, you know, we, we do. And, mm -hmm. and I said to get, no, to get to know more about you. It wasn't to tell them about me or anything like that. <clears throat> and so I had lots of, cup of cups of coffee those first couple of months that I was here. And the funny thing, there was only one person who made me treat. Everybody else treated. Yep. But it was for <laughs> business. I mean, you know, I was making business connections. And some of those have definitely turned out to be absolutely fabulous business and personal connections. But for you, it really was about personal growth. I mean, is probably the, the best way to put that. And so as I was reading your book, I'm thinking, I need to rethink who I have come <laughs> with. You know, and, and really because you, you did have such inspirational stories, but also because I thought, okay, how cool is that? And, and, and it would be great to be able to do that. Yeah, it's really interesting because uh, it's it's – interesting how you can learn about business through people that you're not talking about business with. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think sometimes just learning about life can right. help you at, at business. But also what I found is really amazing. And there's the book, um, The Defining Decade talks about this, but The Strength of Weak Ties. Mm -hmm. And it talks about how some of our very best opportunities, they don't come from the people they know, mm -hmm. but it, or it, it doesn't come from the people we know. They come from the people that who we the people that who we know know does that make right. sense yes. it's it's yeah. that second connection and so mm -hmm. the thing about building or meeting people you know for personal reasons or just building a non-business network or kind of this hybrid work and business network is you don't know who those people know. And so, mm -hmm. you know, the best example of that is I felt really fortunate to talk to the at the time he was the senior vice president of digital media at Nike, right. which is a fancy way of saying he was the person behind like all of the digital Nike stuff, the Nike mm -hmm. app, the really cool Nike plus running stuff, really, really cool guy. And mm -hmm. the way that I was able to meet him was uh, I actually, someone reached out to me on Twitter, a marketing professor who wanted to get to know more people in the marketing world at in, in, in East Lansing, we reached out and we got copy and talked about marketing, mm -hmm. which was what I was studying. And then we actually carpooled to a TED event in Detroit a couple mm -hmm. months later. And he said, oh, you know, you're graduating. What, what kind of jobs are you looking at? And I said, well, you know, I really don't know, but I like marketing and I like running. So I've always really admired Nike. And he said, oh, I have a friend at Nike. You know, not... I don't know who, who I thought this friend might be, but it turns right. out this friend was the senior vice president of digital you know, marketing mm -hmm. at Nike. So like an incredible connection at Nike and that, you know, he graciously connected me to and then I was mm -hmm. able to meet him for copy. And so it's like I didn't know when I sat down to coffee with this marketing professor that he would connect me to this high, you know, this exec at Nike. So you, you don't know. And that's the great right. thing. A connection you know, a business connection can lead to a personal connection. A personal connection can lead to a business connection. Um, the world is so interconnected. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I think that is really the the best lesson in this is that you you don't ever know who those connections are going to be. Um, you know, and and it's funny when I teach people about social media, I tell them, you know, be careful what you post on Facebook. You know, clearly we can post whatever we want. Um, you know, or on Twitter, on on all those various things. But it's not necessarily who, you know, who, who, who that person is that's important, you know, because maybe you are, say, in the job market 
and you're posting let's let's go to to an extreme you're posting pictures of you know you're you're drunk you're you know doing all of these things and so that person was thinking well gee i would have introduced you to my husband my friend my coworker, my whoever but i'm not going to do that based on your facebook posts you know and then of course the opposite is true where they're like oh my gosh you know i have read her LinkedIn, I've seen her Facebook posts. She seems like, you know, he seems like such a fabulous person. I would love to introduce them to to so and so. And and so you're right. It's it's not who you know, it's who you know knows that matters. Um, you know, and, and that's really kinda you know, that's that's the whole interconnectivity of everything. Yeah. And something that you said earlier I think really helps this is when you said that you sat down with people and you just wanted to get to know them. You weren't there to talk about how great you were or, Mm -hmm. you know, you were really there to just get to know them and better understand this person. And that really shows this great authenticity. Like I just, I really want to know this. I I really want to know you as a person. I mean, and that feels good and that feels authentic. Mm -hmm. So when, when people meet and they say, wow, like this person has a genuine interest in me. She was so nice and asking me out to coffee, got all, got to know me. Now I'm more inclined to introduce her to someone because mm-hmm. she just had this authentic feel because I've had situations where people have asked me out to coffee and then spent half an hour, you know, pitching themselves and all of this. And, and it's like, oh, I don't, I don't think you were, I don't think you wanted to get coffee because you were interested in me. I think you just wanted, you know, FaceTime in an overly networking way. And that makes right. you less inclined to to make those introductions. So authenticity goes such a long way in building a network as well. Well, and they will ask about you, you know, and, and so, you know, you can give them a a little, you know, a little, again, this is about meeting them. So you can say, Oh, you know, I do this and this and this, but tell me more about, you know, and, and some of mine were, you know, purely business, but you know, I was also saying, you know, what business networking groups should I get involved in? Um, you know, and then some of it was, what are good restaurants in the area? You know, all those various things, but it really was about getting to know them. Exactly. And you know a lot about yourself. I mean, you've you've spent your entire life with you, so you're, right. you're pretty well-versed in your own stories. Mm-hmm. And so it's such a great opportunity to ask more questions. I mean, you learn, you learn a lot more about life when you're asking questions to people that you don't know rather than telling stories that you're well-versed in. Right. You know, and, and I think the, the thing to, to, for people to really think about is who could they meet? You know, is it somebody that they've read an interesting article about or, you know, somebody's mentioned on Facebook, you know, all those various things. And <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things I love in your book is you, you talk about the fact that you know, when you asked people to get together, the very least they could do was say no or ignore you. Mm-hmm. you know, if they did, okay, whatever, then you move to the next person on your list. So it took away kind of that fear of, oh my gosh, I can't talk to these people because they're a celebrity, they're a this, they're a that. You know, if they don't respond, they don't respond. But you're never going to be able to talk to them if you don't ask. Absolutely. And I think I asked, of all the people I asked, one person said no, and it was because they were out of town. It was like the meeting physically wasn't possible. So, you know, people are really interested in, people like sharing their story and people like helping others, you know, Mm -hmm. if they're, if they've got time and you have a pitch that is compelling to them. Uh, so I was, I was really amazed at how willing people were to help this wayward college senior who, who didn't know what to do with her life. Um, mm-hmm. And it also was really great to uh, something that I learned in, in reaching out to people is 
you know, I talked, you know, being interested in business, I talked to a lot of CEOs or co-founders or executives and I learned a lot from them. But mm-hmm. I also, you know, the amount of things I learned from the grandma, from the second grader, from the dairy farmer, it it's really helpful to both talk to people that are, you know, you're you're on a path that I'm interested in or we're in the mm-hmm. same industry so I want to learn from you but it's also really helpful to talk to people that are kind of completely outside that to just get a, a sense of perspective and to right. see the world from a different angle um, depending on where you're at. I mean when you're when you were in my position where I was kind of an open book and I didn't know where I was going talking to a range of people was really helpful and then I mm-hmm. think over the 52 cups of coffee, I kind of honed in a little bit once I figured out what I was looking for. But mm-hmm. casting a wide net, um, I think, is really helpful if you're in the early stages of, you know, if, if you're someone who hasn't done coffee and you want to try the strategy of reaching out to people, a wide net's really helpful um, mm-hmm. because it'll help you hone in on what you're looking for. And, and it takes away the pressure of like, finding the perfect people to talk to. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things I love was you were open to talking to everybody. You know, there, there, it wasn't that you said, oh, they have to be business. They have to be this. They have to be that. I mean, you did. You talked to, you know, at that point, she was a first grader um, or, you know, a second grader, a World War II vet, a grandmother, you know, obviously some celebrities, you know, not to name drop, but you talked to <laughs> Seth Godin, you talked to Steve Wozniak, um, you know, and, and so it really was just such a wide ranging you know, source of inspiration for you. Um, so I want to ask you about some of the specific ones. And, you know, let's start with the youngest. You know, what did you learn from a little second grade girl? Yeah. So um, we, uh, the, I, I learned a lot. <laughs> so one of the strategies, and I would totally share this with all of your listeners as a great strategy for trying to meet new people. Um, when I was traveling, so when I was going to visit family or just happened to be, you know, somewhere outside of Michigan. Mm-hmm. What I tried to do was if I knew someone in that in that city or that place I was going, I would ask them if they knew of anyone interesting that I should talk to. So I was really mm-hmm. getting recommendations on who to talk to, which is a great way to do it because one, you have, you know, this person is vouching for them. So it's like, oh, they're interesting. Mm-hmm. They're someone who would be willing to talk to you. And also that introduction makes right. the makes it a lot easier to have this mm-hmm. warm introduction. So I was home um, visiting my family in Wyoming. And I was at the library, which is where my mom has worked for the last 20 plus years. And one of her coworkers, who I've known for practically the last 20 plus years was talking to me and was like, Oh, how do you, how do you decide who to get coffee with? And I said, Oh, it, you know, kind of depends. People reach out to me or I get suggestions or I'm just inspired by people I hear of. And he said, Oh, well, you know, you should, you should really talk to my daughter who at the time was in second grade. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And, you know, I thought, sure, why not? Um, Mm And to be honest, it, I, the thought of it was actually really terrifying because right. the with when you're even even like talking with you know Seth Godin or a couple different CEOs like that didn't scare me because it's like oh I can come prepared with questions right. I can I know Why how to ask questions. To a second grader. Yeah, it's like I don't know how to relate to to the second grader. So mm-hmm. we set up we set up the date. I had met her one time when she was like two months old. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was she a, didn't remember you. Yeah, and I barely remembered her. So she was in. Um, she was adopted, which I knew. Um, her um, 
she was born on an Indian reservation and her, her adopted mom was also grew up on a reservation. And so Mm -hmm. she, um, there was this adoption opportunity and they took it. And so we showed up at this coffee shop and I asked her what she wanted to drink and she wanted a pop, which I, I was like, should I do this? Like, I feel like yeah. I should be giving a second girl that. So we sat down and you could tell she's kind of skeptical. Like, what am I doing here? Uh, was really trying to get her to warm up. It was Christmas time. So I was talking to her about Christmas presents. And then finally we, we struck a, we found our stride and she opened up to me a little mm-hmm. bit and was just telling me about recess and second grade and all of these different things, which was, which was really interesting. And then, um, and still terrifying. I I'm, I'm, I have a hard time relating with elementary mm-hmm. school kids. Right. But her mom came to pick her up, and I had you know I had known her mom through various things, but I had a couple follow up questions based on some of the stories that I heard, and so we dove into we kind of were diving into this and having a conversation that we hadn't had before, and talking about kind of the adversity that got her mom, you know, off the reservation and things, just the challenges of growing up and then the challenges of adopting someone and just, um, you know, little kids can be harsh unintentionally. And so the adversity of things that, you know, other second graders had told to her, um, you know, the really rough thing was, you know, she was bullied. Yeah. Like on the playground, you know, the other kids would say like your people, you know, scalped my people. And it's like, what, that's, that's like heavy stuff to hear when you're in second grade and just, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of your people are bad and it's just, you know, ignorance and, you know, hate at, at its worst, but Mm -hmm. at a young age. And so really the whole conversation ended up centering around, you know, education is really this anecdote to, to, to really, go in and educate the other students around what Native American culture was like and what they did and why they did it to really try to create more of a sense of um, a sense of understanding and and kind of reduce some of these mean stereotypes that were being thrown around. But ultimately, what I learned was, you know, this was a family that had been kind of and you know, we we grew up. They we grew up in the same town. My my mom was a coworker, but I realized in all of the twenty years that we had been in each other's lives, we always had the same conversation. It was like every time I went home, it's like, "How is school? What are you doing this summer?" Right. You know, very very surface level. And it's like, wow, you know, even around you, there are all of these beautiful stories and great insights and things to learn, but we don't ask the right questions. Right, and so. It, it made me think, okay, I'm going out of my way to meet people I don't know and learn about them, but maybe I should have this focus on people that I do already know mm-hmm. instead of defaulting to those boring, what are you doing this weekend or how was your summer or what school classes are you taking in school? Asking serious questions, like ask, finding ways to integrate more authentic conversations mm-hmm. so that I'm getting to better know the people around me because there are all of these great stories out there. You just have to ask the right questions to to get to them, and you have to be willing to work a little bit harder to ask, you know, more interesting questions than how was your weekend? Right. Well, and I think we hesitate to do that because we don't want to pry, we don't want to be nosy, you know, and and all of those various things. But you know, like you said, you know, kind of enough 
about them to, to know how to broach the subject and to know that, you know, there are just things that, that you don't ask, um, you know, and, and or, you know, there, there's certainly ways to say, may I ask? And, and it's OK if you don't want to, to, to respond, you know, those type of, of things. But, yeah, knowing more about people because we, we know the surface things, you know, we, we know <clears throat> the Facebook things, you know, what, right. what they're posting that they kind of want the world to know. And, and, and you know, the things that, that, like you said, you know, the things that when you get together once a year, you know, they've said this, they've said that. So what are we missing that really lets us know more about people? And, and I think that's a lesson for all of us, even if it's business networking. You know, how, what questions can we ask to get to know more about somebody other than, so how's business? Who is the best person to to connect you with for business? I mean, you know, those things that we've just been kind of trained by rote to say. Right. It's great to be able to expand those conversations. Yeah. And what the, you know, two strategies that really worked um, for me, and I, I mean, I still use them today was, you know, when I was kicking off a conversation, I really liked to start with a really broad, open ended question. And mm-hmm. at the time, you know, my favorite was, you know, this might not have been the very first question, but early on in the conversation, my question was, is what you're doing now what you thought you would be doing when you graduated from college? Mm -hmm. Um, Which was interesting to me because I was about to graduate from college. And the amazing thing about the answer was, aside from one person, uh, the answer was always no. Um, You know, where they ended up was not where they Mm -hmm. thought. And, And in their response, I would hear both what they're currently doing, what they thought they would be doing, and then you know, the one or two forks in the road that, mm-hmm. you know, basically got them off of that original path. And then within there, there's so much you know, information packed in that answer. You could dive into things. Right. And it's like maybe, you know, it's like one person was a CEO and he wanted to be a veterinarian. It's like, whoa, you know, we could dive into wh- why do you want to become a veterinarian? Mm-hmm. But the, the fork in the road was his brother's, his brother-in-law's business was struggling. So he went kind of dropped out of school temporarily to help out his brother. And it's like, okay, well, that's a story right there. And so Mm -hmm. these broad questions that give you a lot of answers, it's really great. It gives you good opportunities to dive into the nuggets that are most interesting Mm -hmm. to you. And then the other thing is if you want people to be honest and more vulnerable with you, you also have to be willing to be vulnerable. And so there were times where, um, you know, within, within the, the boundaries of, you know, what you feel comfortable sharing, but there would be moments where someone would say something and I would kind of reveal something about myself. There was one, I think it was cup five. We both ended up in tears. We were talking about, you know, families and just different things. And all of a sudden she's crying and then I'm crying. And it's just because we slowly were able to open up to each other. And she kind of told me something that was a little more vulnerable. And it's like, oh, I can relate to that. And so when you are willing to reveal parts of yourself um, and go a little bit deeper, you'll really see that other people start to meet you there as well, mm-hmm. um, which is a really incredible thing to, in the short span of an hour or an hour and a half, really connect more deeply with someone. Mm-hmm. So how many of these folks have you stayed in touch with? Because, I mean, you know, it's not like you're corresponding every day with Seth Godin, but, you know, how many have you stayed in touch with? I've... Um, most of the ones that I met in Michigan, well, let's see, I actually should do the math here. You know, there were 52 people and I think I've definitely stayed connected with at least half of them. Okay. And like in the last, 
in the last, it's been five years now, amazingly, probably have have caught up or been in touch with at least half of them once in the last five years, some of them more. So Mm -hmm. yesterday was Cup 17's, um, or no, Cup 29's birthday. So I wished him a happy birthday on on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So some of them are just, you know, Facebook connections and others I'm fortunate to see every now and then if I'm back in Michigan or back in Wyoming. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, and and, and I, you know, I want to touch on Wyoming because I'm from Colorado, obviously, and, but I'm from a very, very small town called Walden, which is nine miles from Wyoming. And, you know, and, and so it fascinated me that, you know, you're a, a small town girl from mm-hmm. Wyoming. I'm a small town girl from Colorado. And again, you never know where all of these connections can lead you, you know, and, and because it is, it is a very small world, whether it's because of Facebook or networking or, you know, all of these various things, it really does go to show that it, you can be from anywhere but it doesn't matter. You know, you can, you can, yeah, totally. And around the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's great because, you know, wherever you go in the world, like there's probably a chance you'll run into someone from Colorado. And so where you're from, you know, regardless of the size, it creates something unique about you. And that Mm -hmm. will kind of give you something in common with a lot of people as you go around the world. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, this is a great example. You're in Atlanta on on Skype and you know you have internet and I have internet and we're able to connect and mm-hmm. people around the world have internet so the the I think one of the most amazing things about where we're living now is people are so accessible and um so interested in connections so mm-hmm. small town big town I think there's great opportunities regardless of you know where you grew up and and what you're interested in now, you know, you mentioned, you know, connecting, you know, through the internet, things like that. But you truly wanted to meet people in person for your book. And I believe there was only one that you weren't able to. Am I correct? There was. So there were three, although okay. I, I, I ended up meeting with two of those three in person at a later okay. time. So one okay. of them was... Um, uh, I met this um, Michigan State alumni who was living in Japan. She was mm-hmm. teaching English. So we had we met over Skype, but then two mm-hmm. years later, she had moved to Australia, and I was going to Australia, so we got to meet in oh. person. And then another student who had moved to Thailand and had started a company, um, she was coming back to Michigan State. So we I later met up with her in person, but the original conversations were, in, were over Skype, which mm-hmm. wasn't ideal, um, but... Right. On on the budget that I had at the time, you know, flying to Japan or right. Thailand. You were a college student. Yeah, exactly. So I, and the reason that I had conversations with those folks was, they were just you know, great recommendations. It's like, oh, so and so is. Um, I mean, at one of them, her name was Angela. It's like, oh, Angela's so great. You guys would love each other. You should meet. And it's like, well, all right. Like, while well, I'd like to meet you in person, I'm not going to let the distance stop us from from connecting. And so, mm-hmm. um. So it, it uh, not ideal, and and actually that first one that we met was a little bit awkward because I was so used to talking to people in right. in person. It was like, oh wow, this is a little bit different. Um, but but you get used to it. So I mean, if of course if you have an opportunity to meet with someone in a different part of the globe, don't turn it down because it's not an in person opportunity. Right. 
know, and, and you mentioned the fact that it helped really to meet in person because of body language and, you know, and, and the ambiance of the places you were in. You know, all of those various things very much were an integral part of having the interview with these people. Yeah, absolutely. And and for folks that are a little you know, shy or the idea of getting coffee is a little terrifying. You know, the being in this public space and going to a coffee shop with a great vibe, it's like, it's, it's nice. It doesn't feel like it's you and this person talking to each other in a room with all this pressure. It's like, Oh, okay. There are other people around. Um, you know, if nothing else, if you run out of things to say, you can comment on the weather or, you know, it's, it's nice Mm -hmm. to have a really welcoming vibe. Um, that you just don't get over the internet, unfortunately. Right. Right. And, you know, from, from your perspective, and I'm sure from your parents' perspective, you were in a fairly safe place. Um, you know, you were in a public <laughs> area, you know, all those various things. But, you know, I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but not really, because especially as women, you know, and it doesn't matter if we're in our 20s or, you know, 50s, 60s, whatever, sometimes it, it can be intimidating to meet someone new and, you know, so going to a public place like, you know, a Starbucks, like, you know, uh, you know, the, and it sounded like you went to some very cool coffee places, you know, all those yeah. various things. It, it removes that that fear factor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and there were a couple of times where I was going to new parts of town and I actually took a friend with me. Like my right. friend didn't go to coffee with me, but it's like, oh, let's let's drive together and then mm-hmm. you go shopping and I'll meet up with you afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's. It's always a good idea to be smart about who you're, um, who you're meeting in. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. People, people you're meeting on the internet. Um, you have to be be cautious, but also, um, that's the great thing about meeting with people who you have a connection with, either like a loose mutual friend or an involvement in an organization, so that they're a little bit vetted. It's like you you have right. a sense of who this person is, which is helpful. And you can do online research. I mean, you know, that's the nice thing about, you know, we're all connected. You can look them up on LinkedIn, you know, their website, all those various things. So aside from anything else, that does give you background on them, you know, and and maybe things that you know then that you can ask them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there was was the sense of trying to figure out the right amount of research to do. So... Because I didn't want to go in and, and already know all these things and ask questions that I already knew the answer to, but you also want to take advantage of the fact that the internet is out there. So I would do a little bit of research to get a sense of questions, um, but then really wanting to go in with really go in with an open mind without knowing right. too much. So, mm-hmm. and now now that I you know continue to have coffee, but now I often have coffee in more of a business perspective or business setting where I'm meeting people in my industry and getting to know really specific things. It is really helpful um, if someone has a LinkedIn or if people have information really readily available and you spend 10 minutes asking them questions that they could have learned from looking at your LinkedIn for five minutes, that can, sometimes that can feel like, well, you didn't really do your research before reaching out to talk right. to me. So it is kind of depending on the context. If you want to have a casual conversation, it's one thing. If you want to really understand and learn from them from a business way, doing your research is helpful because it can help you make you know, go in more prepared and also make mm-hmm. better use of, of this professional's time. Right. And, you know, sometimes it, it serves as an icebreaker. Um, I met with someone one time and it was it was a purely business setting and 
you know, I had looked at his LinkedIn profile and, and he went to the University of Texas. Now, I'm a University of Colorado person. And, you know, and at that point, we were all in the, the Big 12. And, and so, you know, we get together and he said, you know, I shouldn't even be talking with y'all since you are our competitors. And then we spent 15 minutes bashing Oklahoma State. Um, you know, and, and so <laughs> what it did was it gave us kind of that common ground that then we could go on and have an even better conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I actually had a job interview and I ended up getting the job, but I knew the interviewer was from a big football school and I was from a big football school. So Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, cool. Like, let's bond over how how we understand what college football is like. Right. And and you could bash University of Michigan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or or Ohio State. Yeah. It's like it's a thing that you do. (laughs) Right. You know, and we we joke about it, but it, that is very true. I mean, that gives you something rather than, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, exactly. You know, and, and, and and it does. It gives you a way to start that conversation. And maybe they're a sports fan. Maybe you've seen somewhere that, that they read, you know, books that, that you, ha- you know, have similar interests in. Or you know, maybe you are Facebook friends and you can ask them about their last vacation or, or whatever. But, you know, it, it is, you're not just going in cold and saying, tell me about yourself. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, with LinkedIn or Facebook, if you find out you have a mutual friend, that's a really great launching point as well. It's like, oh, you know, I I saw on Facebook, you know, so and so, how do you guys, how did you meet? Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it's nice to have a couple of those icebreakers in your back pocket. So, you know, so that you're, it just creates this nice sense of um, kind of confidence that, okay, if, Mm -hmm. If we run out of things to say or if it gets awkward, like I have something prepared. And to be honest, right. the more you have coffee with people, the the less you're worried about awkward silences. Right. But in those in those early days, um, it's I, I definitely let I tell people who want to try this. It's like, yeah, like, you know, don't go in with a list of questions that you pull out and you like ask one at a time, but have mm-hmm. a couple in your back pocket so that you're ready in the event that you need one. Right. Let, let's talk more about that, because. You know, I think this is something that that hopefully all of my listeners are really going to think about is who can they reach out to and and have coffee with. So, you know, how what advice do you have for people? You know, maybe they don't want to go every single week for 52 weeks, but you know, maybe it's four or five or, or whatever. What advice do you have for people to really get started doing this? Because I'm guessing that once you start, it's it's not just I'm going to do it for four. It's it just continues because it's so interesting. But how do you get started? So I I think it the the best place to start is to think about what what your ideal outcome is or what is your motivation okay. for getting coffee. So for me, I was I I wanted to talk to people to understand the path that they took to help me understand the path that I was going to take. So it's like I'm a college senior. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I just want to talk to a lot of people to hear what they did with their life. Um, so mine was really, really exploratory. So I cast mm-hmm. that wide net. If you're, you know, are you considering, like, do you want to talk to people because you want to start a company or because you want to network within your your industry? Or are you thinking about going to grad school and, and you want to talk to people that have gone to grad school? So kind of getting a sense of why you're getting these coffees and, and the type of conversations you want to have is a really good place to start. So you have a sense of who to reach out to. And then I would start with, um, you know, the two I think easiest places to start are using using your networks that you're in. So if you're on Twitter or if you're on LinkedIn or you're in some sort of 
Facebook group or alumni group and you see people posting or you see people doing things that you really connect with, like, for example, Cut 4 um, organized the this event that I went to in Detroit that I really loved. And I was like, wow, this event is so cool. This guy must be great. I want to reach out. Like just someone that you know of who's in your community and you can reach out to them. That's a really good place to start. Um, and then the second place is just asking friends that that are you know well connected or or you know that know a lot of interesting people say hey you know i'm i'm kind of at this point in my life and i'm trying to do this and i want to meet other people who might be able to give me advice or i could learn from do you know anyone you'd be willing to introduce me to that kind of fits this bill um those are the two best places to start it's a little bit easier than cold calling people mm-hmm. um and, and also, if you do have a big alumni network, so Michigan State is a huge school and there's some really neat alumni um, references or alumni organizations that you can tap into. Or mm-hmm. if you work at a big company, you know, there are a lot of people within your company you could internally network with. Or if you're involved in any sort of organization, like start with places that you're already at um, right. and find, you know, find people that just we all have people in your life that are like, wow, that person seems really interesting or well, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't really know that person, but they seem nice and you know, insightful. So, um, it's kind of low hanging fruit and right. ask, ask those people. Um, and the best way, you know, my kind of script that I followed was, you know, hi, like I'm Megan, I'm a senior in college. I'm working on this project. I found out about you through this person or this event or on Twitter. Um, and you're, I'm really, I'm really interested in something about them to show like, Hey, Mm -hmm. like I've done my research. Like there's a reason that I I like you. And also it's, you know, nobody or no one's going to feel mad if you say, Hey, I really thought you were interesting and gave, you know, kind of this compliment about why you're interested on the back. They're, they're going to be interested. Exactly. And then I would say, um, you know, you seem really interested because of this. Um, I was wondering if you'd be willing to have a cup of coffee with me. Um, I can kind of be flexible to a time and place that works for you. I could say that because at the time I was in college, so I had a more flexible schedule. But mm-hmm. I really only ever asked for 30 minutes of their time. Right. And then always, you know, was, you know, I really appreciate your consideration around this. I never expected, you know, uh, I, it really was a no pressure thing. I didn't want people mm-hmm. to feel like, you need to say yes to this. So it was like, I, I would really appreciate it. But also, you know, with this, you know, tone of like, I understand if you're busy and you can't, but I would love to meet with you. And so mm-hmm. I, I asked for a short amount of time. I was flexible with when it would work. And, um, and then it, it, it worked really well. So it's a pretty mm-hmm. straightforward, like, Hey, I've, you know, seen you on Twitter. I really love what you're doing with this organization. And I'd love to know more. Would you be willing to get coffee with me for 30 minutes? Um, next week is flexible. Let me know. Uh, and, and, and just try it. Um, Mm -hmm. and if even if reaching out to strangers is a little too scary for you, just ask a friend of a friend, um, you know, say, Hey, you know, some great people. Is there anyone who would be willing to get coffee with me? And that's the easiest way because, you know, it's, it's like a friend of, it, it just feels, Mm -hmm. um, it's it's nice to have someone helping you get to know right. these people so it doesn't mm-hmm. feel quite so alone if you're mm-hmm. if you're asking your friends. Right. You know, and 
I've seen people do that on Facebook and on LinkedIn. They'll say, you know, hey, friends or connections, I'll be in New York City, you know, whatever, next week for business. I've got time on Monday for coffee. Who's interested? You know, and, and I've always said, ooh, I can't do that. But now I'm thinking, <laughs> hmm, I need to do that, especially, you know, because, again, you're, you're going to meet in a non-threatening, a safe place, you know, all those various things. And, you know, and, and I love this idea. I'm really going to have to start thinking about doing this. And, you know, that I, I actually love back when I was traveling a lot. I would love that, like, hey, you know, I just happen to be in this this city. Is anyone else here? But mm-hmm. a, kind of a, a medium step to that is, you know, if you're going to visit New York and you have friends in New York, it's like, hey, I'm going to be here. Um, I'm interested in meeting people like let's meet at this bar, bring a friend or two um, so that I can get to know your friends. So you can Mm -hmm. um, it's okay to have coffee with someone you also know and encourage them to bring a friend as well. Mm -hmm. It's kind of this um, not as intimate as a one on one conversation, Mm -hmm. but still a chance to make a new connection. Right. And, and, you know, that really is what this is about, is making those new connections and, and really expanding your network, whether it is business, personal, or the combination. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think what what is also so great in this whole idea of building your network is we've really talked about how where a connection can lead you and the effect that it can have on your life. But it's also really helpful to remember the reverse of that is you have the opportunity to help people as well. Right. So mm-hmm. you might meet someone and be able to say, oh, wow, what you're doing really aligns with what my friend is doing. I should connect you to or mm-hmm. You know, it's not that it's not a one way street. And actually, the best relationships are more of a two way street. So just know that by reaching out and building your network, you're expanding the the number of people that you have the opportunity to help or connect. Um, Right. And and, and that is what it's all about. So, well, Megan, you've mentioned I'm going to do the question that I'm sure you get. You know, you've mentioned that you've continued to have coffee with people. Are we going to have 52 more cups of coffee? Yes, I'm. I mean, not in the not in the near future, but I absolutely um, still love this idea of connecting with people and telling stories. I still meet people and collect stories. I'm just not organizing them as nicely on the internet. So I'm I'm currently exploring new ways of. There's so many exciting mediums out there. So um, I'm kind of brewing some brewing some ideas. How do I continue um, to find amazing stories and share those amazing stories. So nothing, nothing um, kind of out in the world right now, but hopefully by the end of this year, we'll have a new project in place that continues the, the joy of talking to people and sharing their stories with others. Perfect. Well, until then, Megan, how do people connect with you and find you online? So you can find me on all the social media places. Um, I'm just at Megan Gephardt on Twitter and Instagram. And then um, on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash 52 cups. That's uh, the number five, two, and then cups. Uh, And then email, I'm Megan at 52cups.com. Perfect, perfect. And of course, your book can be bought on Amazon and it's 52 cups of coffee. Yes, it's on Amazon. You can both get the Kindle edition and the paperback as well. I love it. 
Well, you know, I look forward to chatting with you again because, you know, I, I think, uh, as you mentioned, you know, you have something coming out again. So we will just continue having more coffee together. Um, and so I really do look forward to that. Yes, I do. And if you're ever in San Francisco or if I happen to make it out to Atlanta, we can make sure we have an in-person conversation as well. A real cup of coffee. I would love that. Yes. Um, Great, great. Well, I've been having a fabulous time talking with Megan Gebhardt about her book, 52 Cups of Coffee. And until next week, everyone have a great time. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.